0: in Kelly good afternoon see Dustin's gonna find me a song we're gonna, before we uh, ready to do this lesson it's lead me to some soul today John put it on there it's not in your book so I got him back over there so we're gonna get on it in just a minute uh, because that's kind of what our lesson is gonna be about It's not changing the message and I love this song I've sang it since I was a kid and uh, it's definitely what we need to think about all the time. So, uh-oh, they might have fun too. That one. Yeah, Dennis and I could see it. I don't know about the rest of you. I think I know it by heart. I probably don't need to see it. He, he's playing with it anyway. He'll get it here in a minute. Um, but I think we have to think all the time about being evangelist. Is that better? A little better? Okay. Lead me to some song and a message needs to be on our minds and hearts all the time. And you need to understand if this world has any chance of salvation, it's us. We don't need to be looking around other people. I'm looking forward. I plan to head on down to um, Farmington to Sunny. you take that to ride along, you uh, Plan on going down that way. and What a great blessing it is. Selfishness to me. You know, I get to go and with that. Of course, you get a fellowship with them and encourage your brethren there, but we have to think about every day uh, being a bright light in this world. I think the sad thing is a lot of times it's just like this passage you just read for us in Acts chapter 5. The devil wants us, you just keep don't be telling me Shut up. fine if we just come to church and and we study His word and we encourage each other, but if we don't watch out, we start forgetting the Great Commission, and we also start forgetting, you got to give them the plain, simple truth. One of the reasons I like that sheet, God's Way, that, you know, I encourage and take one with you today and give it to somebody this week, They're, they're not doing any good sitting there, okay? They're not doing any good sitting there. But all it does is just take you right to the Bible. Anyone's ever looked at it, just Bible verse, ask a question. The question's answered right in the Bible verse. I do believe the Bible is the um, answer book, but I think back to uh, the 1980s and 1990s in the church. I've got a couple of them. One Bible. Uh, I mean, they try to change all kinds of things uh, within the church. Uh, it's a view of some real music. It's a view of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It's a view of women's role in the church. kind of interesting. First Timothy, second Timothy, and Titus, because I'm pretty sure I'm doing those right now. But it is interesting now, every one of the topics, that people try to change Those young now, it doesn't mean everyone's going to believe everything. And it doesn't mean you're going to win everything. Everyone's going to be with you because Jesus picked 12. But we've got to preach the plain, simple truth. And we have to understand. more and more and that's an avenue that we have that they couldn't have even dreamed of having so it's kind of uh before the day's over and definitely for the week's over we'll be in all over the united states and all over the nation and all over uh the world even so we look at that and of course but nothing uh, i always think about this in the bible it seems like don't get me wrong, a lot of times there was and we have to share, so let me remind you of these words that Calebbre. question questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. That's Jesus. And yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So, not do that. They seem to speed them up. They filled I want to ask you, do you think we fill our communities with the teaching of Jesus? I'm not talking about any us. Do, you feed, do we fill our neighborhoods with? We need to be talking about that. We need to be doing what they were doing. And then Peter goes on and says, Peter and the apostles, um, they're in verse twenty-nine. We must obey God rather than men. Now wait a minute. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that disbelieves shall be condemned. Mark sixteen fifty. That's us, right? That's us to us from God, okay? Go ye into all the world, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father. You want me to keep going? Well, you can get a bunch of passages if you want me to. We've been given commands. Who are we supposed to listen to? Man, stay in our comfort zone, or are we supposed to spread this message? So we got to see that, but he goes on and says in verse 30, and here's the message. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior and granted repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sin. Then he goes on and says, and we're witnesses of this. And it ends there, says that he's going to give this to those who obey him. So let me just keep this right in tune then. So we've been given this so-called great commission from God Salvation's going to be to who? Those who obey. It. Those who share that message, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You got to obey it all, right? And so I think about that. So we've got this message, and we've got to proclaim it, and we can't back off of it. We mentioned some today, and I still, you know, when I look at the Bible, I've asked people before in groups. I said. If you pick the message of the Bible, the central message of the Bible from God to man, what would it be? And I tell you the answer I get a lot anymore, and okay, I know where it comes from and I know why they do it. Love. Love is a the central theme of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, love is a central theme, but so what is to be man's response to that? What's the Bible teaches is man's needed response. And from you get to the beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible, it's repent. Repent. People don't like to hear that. You need change. You need to quit doing what you've been doing. You need to start living for the Lord. Repent. I think about passages like we mentioned this morning, Luke 13, 3. Unless you repent, you all will likewise perish, Jesus said. or Where Peter preaches that first gospel sermon in Acts 2 and verse 38. He tells them to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. But look here. I like this one. Uh, Look at Acts 3. Verse 19, listen to this. Therefore, repent and return. Return what? To God. Repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. So this talking about after you become Christians, what are you supposed to do if you're not living the way you repent and return? Why? So your sins can be wiped away. Hmm. You ever seen somebody, maybe they're eating, they're eating barbecue got barbecue sauce all over their hands, all over their face, man, they've been flat getting after. And you look at them and say, man, you need to wipe your face, okay? Man, you must be an animal the way you look. (laughs) You know, you look at that, got to wipe it off. Well, we got to get the sins wiped off, but you and I can't wipe the sins off. Only through repentance and obedience to the gospel and obedience to His will are those sins wiped away. And of course, when you talk about the message, I don't know how I can't hit this passage before I go to another one in Romans, but Romans 1 verse 16, where Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And he says one reason he's not ashamed of it is because it is the power of God. And so I think about that all the time right here. This is the most powerful thing available to mankind on this planet right here. The most powerful thing there is, more powerful than any bombs, more powerful than any energy, more powerful than any group of people. This is it. More powerful than any kind of medical therapy. This is, this is the most powerful thing. I'm going to tell you what, because this never fails. If you'll believe it and obey it, it'll save you every time. You know, you can't say that about anything else. There's nothing else on this planet that works every time. This never fails. Never fails. Some of you have taken prescription drugs or something, and it wasn't working, so the doctor decides to try something else, and it works less, and try something else, and it works worse. But anyway, they're trying to figure out what'll work. This always works. It is the remedy and the only remedy for sin. So he says... It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And it doesn't care race, nationality, income bracket. That doesn't make any difference. You know, we've talked about this before. Some of us in this room have been members of the Lord's Church for a long, long time. Some of us in this room have been the Church for a short duration than some of the others. But I always try to remind people this all the time. You've heard me say this before. There is no seniority and there is no tenure in the church. I think that's so important. As a matter of fact, if there's anything that would change with the length of time you're a member of the church, it's responsibility picks up. The longer I've been a member of the church, the more responsible I should be, therefore, the more mature I should be, therefore, the more giving and less taking I should have, correct? It just shows that. But sometimes people think, well, you know, you only been a member of the church for 10 years. have been a member of the church for 10 years. Well, I'll tell you what, I think I've read someone in a prayer who said, I'm just thankful I'm not like this guy. Huh. A terrible attitude. You know, if Jesus had that attitude, what would our condition be? Be, Yeah, I'd be thinking about that old song from the 60s and 70s. What condition's your condition in? It'll be in a bad condition, that's for sure. And so we look at this. He said, it's the power of God. Turn over to Romans 10. Listen to this, I love the passage of Scripture. God has a plan. Let me tell you what, if God has a plan, how good do you think the plan is? You ever had a plan for something and you, you kept planning plan and it was terrible, it didn't come out the way you thought it should? And have you ever had a plan that it works perfectly? Oh man, it's just amazing, isn't it? Let me ask you this, if God has a plan, what do you think the chances are of, if we follow that plan of being successful? You can go to the bank. You can go to the grave with that one. So listen to this. This is God's plan. I think it's important. The message is plain, right? The message is the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation. Don't move the message, okay? Listen to this. Verse 14, Romans 10. How then will they call upon him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? What's his point? He says, well, people can only believe in something they've heard of, and they can only hear it if someone told them. So if they've never heard, there's no way they can believe, right? Because they've never heard it. So he says, now you understand that we play an important part on whether people in the world are going to be lost or saved. Our part is to proclaim it, to preach it. We've got to understand they can't believe it because they've not heard in it because we've not It's just like sometimes I've had people say when I ask people, what do you think hinders church growth today? And people say the world isn't interested. So I always ask the question. Now let me ask you a question. Are they not interested in the gospel or are we not speaking the gospel to them? How do you know they're not interested if you never told them? So sometimes we already gave up and didn't even give them the opportunity. So it's really our fault, not theirs, Correct. I didn't say they won't have to answer for their own life, but sometimes maybe we're more at fault than they are. Wow. So let's read on. How will they preach unless they're sent? Go you into all the world. That sounds like being sent, right? Go Go sounds like a sent statement. How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good. So if I take my shoes off, they're incredibly beautiful feet. Well, you're not talking literal feet, but I want everyone in this room to think. I want you to think about the people that you knew—that maybe even one person—but the people that are most responsible for you obeying the gospel. Is your memory, is your thoughts of them fond, or you think of them people the most worthless bums I ever knew in my life? You're thankful for them, right? They—I'm telling you—they brought you the gospel. They're feet brought the gospel to you how wonderful their mouths spoke that gospel whoever they were wouldn't know the gospel without them that's his point i mean if you think about that here you are today and no one heard the gospel with you yet no one had ever spoken it to you your condition would be a lot worse today wouldn't it he goes on, however, they did not all heed the good news. Does everyone always listen to what you say? I've been preaching a long time. I can answer that question for you. There's people who said, I was going to say pews, but we don't have pews in here. There are people who sit in the assembly week after week, month after month, years after years and everything. You can tell they're not listening to words you say. And you can tell by their lives, they're not obeying it. They're, they don't believe in it. I don't know why they come. could be numerous reasons. But you look here. This is Isaiah, a powerhouse prophet of the Old Testament. Lord, who has believed... Was Isaiah frustrated here? Who's believed our... Who believes us? Why are we telling him no one believes us anyway? And then he says, the passage we quote all the time, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The only opportunity the world has. The people you know, you, you know and talk to people in this world that no one else in this room knows and talks to. And if you don't share the saving me- the simple saving message of Jesus with them, they're never going to know it. it. So the message can't change, but also the method is... Now, if God, God can do anything, right? If He wanted, He could have wrote the message in cloud form every morning. So when people get out of bed, they can just read it right in the sky. He could have done that, couldn't he? I figure he can do it. He can do whatever. But he didn't choose to do that. What he chose to do is something that's obviously more powerful and we don't grasp always. He choose to, chose to use us and for us to open our mouths. And so God thinks a lot of us. He thinks a lot of us. He's planning a lot through us. I think Marshall Keeble, when he was preaching the gospel, I'd have to look back, but I... I, last time I looked, I think it says um, through here's years of preaching, he's responsible for like 60,000 people obeying the gospel. One man. Who couldn't even a car, had to have someone drive him around. I want you to think about that. Uh, boy, if I had time, we'd turn to a parable of Jesus about the soils and the good soil that produces some 30 something 60 and some 100 fold it don't just replace itself how good a farmer would you be if you planted a, a kernel of, cor- of corn and your plant only re- it only produces one kernel of corn how good a farmer would you be you'd be good you'd be broke and so the same thing with us so we just can't just replenish our own self one person we got to get out there and get that message out We've got to make sure people get the chance to hear that. Uh, turn with me. Yeah, turn back to Acts 4 first. Acts 4. A few past, we won't get to them all. Acts chapter 4. Um, i want going to read a little bit here for you. Start at verse 1. Listen to this, and I'll stop along the way and make a few comments. We're going to read a few verses. As they were speaking to the people, the priests, this is before chapter 5, of course, what we read at the beginning and Caleb read for us. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people. They were doing what? Who do they think they are teaching the people? They were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and he doesn't mean patting them on the back nicely, and put them in jail the next day, for it is already. Huh. So they're talking to people about Jesus and the resurrection, and they're thrown, they're roughly laid hands on, them, roughly thrown in jail till the next day. And many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. Had church grown a bunch. I want you to think about that. So Acts chapter 2, about 3,000 souls were baptized. We're still in Jerusalem. Now the men, the male, adult males alone is 5,000. Well, you just take this congregation. If you've got that many men, how many women do you have? And if you got women, how many children are there? This is a large group of people. This is probably at least 15,000 people, maybe 20. On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, was there in Caiaphas, and John and Alexander and all who were high priestly descendants. Oh boy, I can tell you what the important of the, the high and mighty of the religious sect is there. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power and in what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders and people, If we are on trial here today for benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, and by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, well, he's pulling it out, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone, still talking about Jesus, which was rejected by you, the builders, but became the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name in heaven that has been given among men by which you must be saved. Boy, that's a short, little sermon and pretty powerful, isn't it? But it's not done. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained, dumb fishermen, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Okay. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Kind of shut them up, didn't they? But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that the noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But, so that it will not spread any further. We don't want this Christianity going any further. we got to shut it down. They're going to take our power and our authority and our money away. So that it won't spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Here we go. So they said, okay, no. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give to you rather than to God, you too be the judge. Wow. So the cost of preaching the gospel is a high, can it? Now we read that passage. I want to ask you, if you'd never read it before, if you'd never seen it before, if you'd never heard of Peter and John before, and you read this passage, you think, now them are some men. Them are some godly men that are going to stand up and speak up no matter what the cost is. No matter what. Anybody, I mean, I just, just when I read this, I think, man, I like these guys. We need to be those type of people. Turn with me also over to Acts chapter 15. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, in a book I encourage people to read everybody, every once in a while called Hearts on Fire. Uh, The author of the book. One of his main phrases I like her a lot, and I've repeated a lot in my life. And one thing you got to do, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. A lot of times we get lost. You know, we talked about what happens in life and what kind of challenges. If you don't watch, Satan uses all the negative things to keep us from doing one thing, and he tries to keep us from talking to other people about the Jesus. And every time we're talking about, let's just take the political arena. And he gets us all talking about that when we should be talking about the gospel. And he gets us all worried about a virus when we should be talking about the gospel. And we deal with strife in the church and Satan wins because it keeps us from talking about the gospel because you have to deal with a bunch of foolishness. So you got to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. We can't ever forget that. Well, turn with me down at Acts chapter 15 and um, let's see. I'm going to read just a few verses. I'm going to start at verse uh, 27 of Acts 15. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas and themselves will also report the same thing to same things by the word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than this. And it goes ahead but he says, here's what you got to remember. We've got to remember to abstain from some things, but we also got to remember that we need to be preaching the gospel, right? we got to remember to proclaim the truth, no matter what's going on. We've got to remember we can't hold back. We can't ca- get caught up in that. Now, this morning we mentioned uh, a passage I like to quote, and a passage I like to think about, because I'm a Christian. How about you? And see, I know that means we claim, when we claim we're Christians, we claim to be like Christ. Okay, so if Christ came to seek and save the lost, what's our purpose? Our purpose is to seek and save the lost. The Franklin County Church of Christ, what's our purpose? We're here to please God, and one of the ways we must please God is by reaching the lost with the gospel. We've got to get that met. Ma- I think it's interesting when things were so terrible... God needed to rescue Noah and his family. And he gets Noah to doing this huge job of building this ark, but that isn't the only job he gave him. All the time you're doing this, and we can see this in 1 Peter chapter 3, you've got to be preaching the gospel all the time. We need to get other people on that boat. Now, Noah did his part, and he preached the gospel, but they didn't know, they didn't get on the ark. They didn't repent and return. That's their problem. Noah did what was right. I don't get to determine who obeys the gospel and who doesn't, but I do get to determine who gets to hear it. And it's like the parable of the soils. I think that's an interesting one. When the sower goes out to sow and we find out it's the Word of God. And I want you to pay attention to this. He plants some on the pathway and some on rocky soil and some on thorny soil and some on good soil. Well, the guy couldn't see thorns. The guy couldn't see rock. He didn't know he's walking on something that's so hard. Well, here's what I'll be trying to judge soils. Because you and I can't always tell who's a good heart and who's going to be rocky and who's going to be thorny and who's a pathway. Our point that he gives us is we're to sow the seed. Sowers sow the seed. They don't analyze the dirt. Okay? They sow the seed. So that's what we have to do. We have to sow that seed. So he says he came to seek and save the lost. Look at one other passage with me. Turn with me over to 1 Peter 4 before we go back to um, our passage in Acts 5. 1 Peter chapter 4, listen to this. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. What's that mean? Well, you know, I want you to think about it a little bit. When Paul writes the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise. So the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we hear a loud So when Jesus returns, the first thing he deals with is the redeemed, Right. And then we see also when we get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he goes further and shows there's another side of it because he's bringing some mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. But he says, let me tell you what. When you get to this passage, he says, Now, Kendall, are you of the household of God? Amen. I'm in his household. Well, judgment's going to begin with you. You First. first. You know, it always reminds me, I think about a time, and I've told this story before, when we first moved to Alaska, we were looking, we rented a house first, or we were looking to buy a house, and and one of the deacons told me, he said, uh, well, you know, there's a house just down right next to ours, it's for sale. And it got back to me later, his wife said, man, why would you tell him that? We don't want the preacher living next door to us. Guess what they might see. I don't care who lives next door to me. Long as don't bother. No, I mean, you got to be who you are, and so you think about that. He says it's going to be judgment's going to begin with us. Do people watch us all the time? You know, I always think it's interesting that people say the worst kids in towns are preachers and cops' kids. You know why they say that? Because that's the people they watch the most. They watch, they don't, they give everybody else a break, but sometimes those people, they don't, I used to tell elders, I said, the only reason preachers are so bad, they play with elders' kids, i will run them every time. But, no, you look at that, it's just like, get real. But the point is, well, let's use another one of my passage I like really well, Matthew 5, verse 16. We're to let our light so shine before men, what? That they may see our good work. We're, we're encouraging people to examine us, aren't we? When Paul says, "Follow me," as what I follow Christ, so we have to follow. We have to. Say, let me ask you this: Are you sure this important lesson? When we look at this, of change in this, and who we are. What do you do when someone, a good friend of yours, someone you know, you teach them gospel, they obey the gospel, and they've been a Christian about a month? Said, "Okay, now I got to know something. I don't know much Bible yet. I want to be the best Christian I can be. How do I do that?" How do you want to say, "Well, just be like me." That's what Paul said. Follow me. Well, don't be like me. That gets you in trouble. Well, you better take care of that today when we have an invitation song. Because people will follow your example and you will have people follow you all the way to heaven or all the way to hell. And so we've got to set a good example, the right example. So let's go on with this passage. For it is... Time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And here's what it says. If it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, that question didn't ask because they don't know the answer. That question is asked because everybody should know the answer. And we could take time. Matter of fact, I'll just turn over here real quick and I'll read it to you. So, you know, because he says right here, he asks the question, what will become of the, out, the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? Well, here, let me just read you a verse. I'll tell you what it is after I'm done. So he's going to come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not o- know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What? Mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution. Hell is there. So obeying the gospel is everything. I have people ask me questions, religious questions, all the time. I, I try to answer their question but get to the important stuff. You know, I've got friends who aren't members of the church. We talked about things. And I typically I never talk to them about instrumental music. I don't know why I need to worry about instrumental music. They're not Christians anyway. So what makes any difference whether they sing with instrumental music? They're going to hell already. I gotta get to the gospel. I got to teach them that they need to hear, believe, confess, repent, and be back. And I can't get lost in the, that they take a, where they go to church where they partake of communion once a month. Why do I need to get with them right now on partaking of communion every week? Wouldn't do them any good to partake communion every week because they're outside of Christ. Have you ever noticed we get lost in the wrong things? We forget to keep the main thing. The main when they're not in Christ, the most the message you got to get to us teach them how to get into Christ. Now, you can't beat them up with it, but when you get those opportunities, you have to do that. You know, I sometimes have friends of mine that I know in the, maybe some of them are friends and some of them just acquaintances, but I know in the world, and they're dealing with some serious illness, maybe even cancer, and they're looking at things serious, and they said, man, this change how you, how you look at life. I said, well, you've been thinking about your spirit. you got to get to what you need to get to. Because I don't care what happens to you, if you're not right with the Lord, if death knocks on the door, it won't get worse than that. So I think about this passage of Scripture all the way back, and we're going to wrap this together. Back here in Acts chapter 5, when he says plainly in the passage about the message, but he says, well, now I tell you what, we must obey God rather than man." Man uses all kinds of reasoning. Sometimes it sounds good, but what's the Bible say? Even in the last year, I don't know at it all. It's, And I mean, we got people on both extremes of this, even in the church. We still got congregations that haven't physically met for over a year. And I'm pretty sure Hebrews 10, 25 says we're not to forsake our own assembly as the habit of some is. the first church. They met together on the first day of every week and partook of the Lord's Supper, and they gave of their means. I can turn to the passage. I can give you the passage if you want them. And they had something a lot more serious than a virus knocking at the door. They had people with clubs and spears and swords, and they still met. And I, you know, I just think about that. I think about, i got to do, and I tell everyone's going to stand before God for what they do. But all I know is I just want to do what's pleasing to the Lord, and I know you do too. Well, one thing you know pleases the Lord, remember this. We need to assemble together, and we need to worship and encourage each other every time we have an opportunity. But we also got to make sure when we leave here, we take this book with us, the message of this book, and share, share that saving message of Jesus with the world around us. And there's a help that goes right to the book. You can take one of those sheets with you. If we can help you today in your relationship with the Lord, please come as we stand and sing.